Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Doing good? Thanks for all your condolences on my Chicago Cubs. A little rough, but we're two years ahead of schedule. That's what I'm telling you. We're two years ahead. <clears throat> so, important off season. You know why I'm telling you that? <clears throat> because our series is called Beyond, and I've had to remember that lately. That uh, it's not just this season; it's beyond this season, right? We've been talking about our lives having a legacy that lasts beyond these present moments. And so, I want to tell you a story. I have a friend of mine who had this really rare opportunity to uh, be able to uh, be invited to join a company that has, if I told you the name of it, you've been there many, many times, probably been there this week, and got in on the ground level. <clears throat> and part of what he got as a result of that was some, some stock options. You guys understand that happens uh, when you get in on the ground level of a company. Some of you maybe have experienced that. And he took some of, a portion of his stock options and set them aside for his children so that when they turned 18, they would be able to have resources for their college. <clears throat> of course not beginning to even come close to understanding how significant of an investment that was going to be because of the explosive growth of this company. When his kids turned 18, as he had written into the, um, the, the, the uh, notation of what was going to happen with these stock options, uh, they would uh, then be totally his kids when they turned 18. Uh, $4 million. $4 million. And, uh, and you know, you want your legacy to last beyond, don't you? <clears throat> and uh, he told me a story with tears in his eyes that before his son graduated from college, he called his dad and said that he had run out of money. Can you imagine? And here's the problem, right? The problem is this, that so often those that get in on the ground level, the first generation, so to speak, have this kind of work ethic and entrepreneurial spirit, and they just, they get it because they've sacrificed to make some crazy things happen. Some of you know what that feels like because that's your spirit. You're a, a starter and you work hard and, and, then, and then you want to provide for your kids the best that you can. And so if you've worked hard to, to have this kind of, of business that you could hand to your children or inheritance that you could hand to your children and you want them to appreciate it, right? And so we want to think carefully about how we communicate and the things that we do that would provide for our kids this, this second generation kind of blessing because of hard work. And I, but you know what happens, right? The second generation never really appreciates it typically as much as those that fought and paid the price to get there, right? And by the time you get to the third generation, right, as those things are handed to they're like, yeah, whatever, right? Whatever. So we have to be careful. And here's my thought today. How about, how about the way you pass your faith on? How are we passing our spiritual heritage to our kids? Because for many of you, you might describe yourself as second or third or fourth or fifth generation follower of Jesus. I'm a second generation follower of Jesus. My mom and dad gave their heart to the Lord when I was, when I was really young. 
And then they worked hard to communicate well and to challenge us and to provide opportunities for us to be able to experience and know that God is real. But I want you to know that my parents' intention was never to hand to me a second generational faith. They wanted me to have first generation faith so that I would have passion for Jesus, that, that, I would, that I would be at a place where I would understand the reality of a God that's alive, that loves me, came and died for me, and that that changes my life. They didn't want me to just hear about that stuff, because my fear is that oftentimes in this church world and the circles that we revolve in, a lot of times we think, well, I have a great spiritual heritage, which is a blessing from God, but that spiritual heritage is not what matters as much as your personal relationship with Jesus. You see, you don't come to faith because your grandma did. You come to faith because you did. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is, how do we as individuals have a first-generation faith? How do we have a first-generation faith? But then, how do we even live beyond ourselves so that the kids that are in our lives, whether you have children, whether you're a grandparent, whether your kids are grown, whether, whether you are uh, working with kids in the, in the community in some way, or just get this, every time we do a child dedication, right, I say, now listen, listen, Plum Creek, this is not just mom and dad, because we often say it takes a village to raise our kids, right? And so our kids are watching you. <clears throat> Josh is here this morning, he's, he's uh, uh, getting old. Right, he's getting old. When he was a little guy, uh, we would be driving, and Beth and I would be talking in the car as we were driving, and and uh, sometimes we'd be talking about something that's going on. And you, for some reason, as parents, you know how this happens. You think your kids aren't going to understand something you're saying, and maybe you wish that maybe you would have been more thoughtful of that. But what Josh used to say all the time is, "Big ears, Dad. You got big ears back. I'm listening. I understand what you're saying. I'm right here. Right." Not only was he listening, but he's also watching. We understand that our kids are paying attention, and so we have a responsibility as a church to not just have faith that somebody else talked about, but to have faith that's real for us. Would you agree? I want my kids to see first-generation faith in you so they know their dad's not full of crap. That's what I want. I want them to see it in you, that when they see your eyes, when they see your excitement, even during a a, a worship time like we just had, that it's not just mom and dad that are fired up about Jesus, but it's others as well. By the way, can we just thank the worship team this morning? Wasn't that awesome? So that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what this looks like. My father-in-law used to say, and he was so right, he, he would tell me this often when the kids were young, raising your kids is the toughest thing that you're ever going to do, Doug. And he's right. Raising our kids is the most challenging thing that we will ever do. And, and I, I have a commitment to you that as I walk through the different seasons and challenges in life, I'm going to be real and talk to you about some of those challenges. And I want you to know, for those of you that haven't done it yet, please let me, let me speak to your heart for a second. It's a challenge when you drop your kids off at school and you pull away and go, I hope they have first generation faith. I want them to love Jesus. My mentor, who many of you know, Rick Dunn, a pastor at a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, he told me when we were getting close to this season where we were dropping our kids off, you know, the crazy thing is you work so hard to raise your kids, to help them understand what it means to love Jesus. And then you take them to the most hedonistic place possible for four years, drop them off in a sexually crazed, uh, selfishly motivated, um, uh, crazy, right? Crazy place. And you're like, hey, good luck out there. Hope that goes well for you, right? And you know what you do if you're a parent? You just drop to your knees and you're like, dear God, please. 
Help my kid love Jesus. Help my kid understand what it means to really be fired up about their walk with God so that they would be able to stand strong. And we have to have goals, and so each of us have to have goals. Um, we should have a specific and biblical understanding of the goals for, for leaving a legacy that lasts beyond ourselves. because here's the problem. If you would ask, and I would venture to guess this would probably be the same for many that are here today, our culture today, if you would ask, what is, it, what is, what is raising our kids all about? What is it about to be a parent? You would say, well, you know, and this is what our culture says, success in raising our kids is this, well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids, right? Would you agree? That's what our culture would say. You guys are looking at me like, uh, just okay. That's what our culture would say. Well-rounded is important. Well-educated is important. We want our kids to be happy. There's, that's, those aren't bad things, are they? That's not bad. But I think we, we can't stop there. As Christ followers, we can't stop there. It says in Matthew 16, 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? It's a challenge to us and, and one that should recalibrate us because there has to be more than just leaving a legacy of well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. And we've been talking about over this, ser this series some of the ideas of passing a heritage on to the next generation. And you know, uh, I've, uh, if you've been around Plum Creek for a while, I've told you this before, uh, on occasion... Uh, back in the day when my dad was still able to, you know, he has Alzheimer's and so he's, he's in bad shape and assisted living here in Castle Rock. Um, but, but my dad was an incredible father, incredible dad. And oftentimes if we would say something like, hey, dad, you know, a father's there, thank you for being such a great dad. And he'd say, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. He said, we'll see when I see my grandkids if I was a good dad. No pressure, right? No pressure. I wish he could see his grandkids. Because he was a great dad. But what he was saying is, listen, the responsibility of being a great dad is not just for today. It's not just for my kids. It's for my grandkids too. And not that we want to pass along a heritage where, you know, your grandpa loved Jesus. And that's enough. But where it would be that grandpa loved Jesus and he wants you to love Jesus too. First generation faith. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. First generation faith for each of us where we would say, it's mine, it's mine. If you're like me, you want your faith to live beyond you and your life today. And so our culture is saying that raising kids is about well-rounded, ed educated, and happy kids, but we have to want more than this. And so if you have your journey guides, I want you to pull them out. And I want to share with you our main thought for today. Our main thought is this, not just with our kids, but with those that we come into contact with on a daily basis, we want to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. That's what we want to do. And I know what you're thinking right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just trying to keep my head above water, Doug. I'm trying to keep the kids in shoes. Keep food on the table. That's a big swing right there to say we need to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers. How in the world are we going to do that? And that's what I want to talk about 
today. So grab your journey guide. I want you to write a few things down, and we're going to focus on this together because we have a responsibility, each and every one of us. If you're a student here today, look at me for a second. I want to talk to you. Don't wait for your parents to challenge you to do this. Do this. Do this. Don't wait. As a matter of fact, what I love, because I'm an old youth pastor at heart, I love when teenagers drag their parents to church. When they say to their parents, hey, you know, I'm getting ready to go to school today, and on my way to school, I'm going to be praying for you, Dad. Is there anything special that I could be praying for you about? Kids, listen to me. Try it. Or maybe you just say, after dinner's over, you know, we pray before we eat. Can we just pray as a family real quick now that we're done before we do the dishes? And the good thing is you get to prolong doing the dishes when you do that. And just go around the circle and just say, is there anything special? What's kind of on your heart today? What is it that we could pray about together as a family? I've told you before, one of the things that we've done sporadically, I will admit lately, but something that has been effective, especially in the past, we need to reconnect with doing again is stair prayer with our, with our older kids, where we just gather at a certain time on the stairs in our house. And if you live in a ranch, you got to find a different place, but find a spot where you can just gather together at a certain time and And just connect with each other and just say, what is it that's heavy on your heart? What is it that we can pray about? And then go around the room. And I know what you guys think when Pastor Doug's kids do that. It's like super spiritual, right? We uh, sit down and we hum real nice. We sing some hymns and, you know, we get our hearts all ready. That is not what happens. Usually it's Megan who says, you know, can we hurry this up? Because I need to go to bed because I got to get up at five whatever to get ready to go to power weights over at the school. So let's get on it, you know. And so we go around the room. And if someone doesn't know their request, she's like, ah come on, you know, let's get this done. And then typically what we'll do is we'll go around the circle and have pray for the person to the left or the right. And Megan is always an advocate for what we call Korean prayer, which is everybody praying out loud at the same time because she wants to get it done, right? But there's something about making sure that we're taking time to do these things. And so how are we going to make this personal? Students, step up and love Jesus. That's what I want to tell you to do. This culture's not going to get it, and it's going to fight against the decision to do that. But I want to challenge you today. Get your Bible out and read it. If you don't have a Bible, come and talk to me. I'll get you one. Read your Bible. And can I just say this too while we're on this? If you're a student and you're not involved in the student ministry stuff, listen, I don't even care if you go to a different church for it. Get involved. But we have a great student ministry here. We've got leaders that love you and care about you and will invest in your life. And as a parent, I love that there's someone else that's saying the same thing that I'm saying. Someone else that loves my kids, not because they have to because they're their kids, but because they just care. Life-changing. If you're a parent or a grandparent, encourage your kids to be part of that. It's important for them to be able to link arms together when they go into their schools, to know that there are other people that are going to stand strong with their same morals. Young adults, singles, married, parents, grandparents. I know when I teach a message like this, I had someone come up at the end of service on Saturday. I wish I'd have heard that 30 years ago, Doug. And it's easy to let, listen, then let's start today. That's all we can do. Start today. Don't look back with tons of regret. You can still have influence and make an impact and do some things differently that will change the lives of the people that are around you. And some of you are saying, I don't have kids. Kids are watching you, or maybe you need to get involved. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to jump in and to be involved. Or maybe you're saying, you know, Doug, when we talk about these things, I'm not really sure I fully understand how to do that. 
Well, get around somebody that does know how to do it and ask them questions. Let folks speak into your life about what it looks like to raise kids that are going to be biblically-based world changers. It's a big deal. Or listen, one of the things, and I, I, I didn't say, share this last night. I thought of it this morning. I was praying through my notes. Um, you know, we give stuff out every single week for the parents whose kids are in, in the kids' areas. And there's this one little cool sheet right here. It's called Parent Q. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Do you know what that's for? The parent, this is like, mom and dad, here's what we've talked about this week, and here's some great ways for you to have conversations related to things that the kids are already learning when you get home or in the car on the way or maybe after dinner one night during the week you can do this. Or for those of you that have older kids that are coming with you to church, I don't know if you knew this or not, and I thought, man, I need to make sure you know this. Every single week, whoever is speaking will also submit questions to the staff here in the office, and then they post those questions. Uh, They're on our website that you could go and look at if you want to just dig deeper, to think a little bit more, to have a conversation with your kids that are in the auditorium here when we're talking about these things on the weekends. Hop online. It's all there for you. Gives you verses to read, things to think about, questions to ask, to individually process, but to also be in dialogue with those that are in your life. You see, it comes back to what Keith, who was here just a couple of weeks ago, who's planted the church in Atlanta, you know, he says, it's the other six days. He's preaching the other six days all the time because the other six days matter. Now, this is important that we gather together, but what I really want is for you to love Jesus on Monday. I want you to make a difference, and you're going to be helping people see authentic, passionate relationship with Jesus on Monday when you go to work or when you go hang out in your neighborhood that people would see something different about the way your family is doing life. In Proverbs 13 20 it says this walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm it's no question that we live in a culture that is exposing us to bad attitudes and is completely 100% over sexualized and hyper focused on materialism and perpetuating prejudices and just downright selfish at every turn where it's just about individuals instead of caring for others You see, you can't force someone to love God, but we can expose each other to experiences that will increase the likelihood of spiritual growth. How is it then that we can create a hunger for for first-generation faith in Jesus in ourselves, but also in others? What can we do? I want to revisit our key verse that we've been looking at since the first week. It's Psalm chapter 112, and we're going to look at the first four verses. Uh, Psalm 112, and I want you to see what happens here in this passage of Scripture. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. So when I read that verse, I think there's a few things that we need to do, right? We need to have fear and respect of our God, and we need to delight in obeying His commands. Look at verse 2. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. I read that and I think, gosh, what, what an important heritage we have to be able to communicate to our kids and a responsibility that we have to live this so that our kids will understand what it means. Those that are watching will understand. Your friends will understand what it means to have first-generation faith. This verse continues, and it says this, they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. That's beyond, right? That's what we're talking about in this series, that it's going to last beyond just this current time. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, they are compassionate, and they are righteous. 
So many people, when they die, very little lasts. You need to think about the heritage that you're passing. You need to think about what is going to live beyond you. How will you be remembered? The legacy that you leave is important. I want to go back to verse 2 because it's really important. You saw it just a minute ago. Look what happens to their children. Their children will be successful everywhere, and an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. We always have to keep the end game in mind, don't we? We have to remember really what this is all about as a parent. It's a, that's a tremendous vision and a goal to have. But more than just as a parent, I believe this needs to be our goal as a church. That we have to understand that we have a responsibility, that we should have a vision for our kids, not just yours, not just your personal kids, but our kids to be successful everywhere. What does that look like? That's why I'm so grateful for those of you that are part of the team that are making a difference in, in our kids' lives, interacting with them and helping in so many different ways to help our kids understand that it's not just mom and dad that love Jesus, there's others that do too, that can hold them and pray for them and change diapers for them and teach them lessons and help them walk through some things to think about in age-appropriate ways all the way through their development. We are finally, it's taken us years to get to where we are today, but we're finally at a place where I could tell you that I believe with all of my heart if you will fully engage and you walk with your kids through the ministries that are available for them when they graduate, they have every single opportunity to have first-generation faith. I believe that. That's what we want for, for our kids. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers? How are we going to do that? The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to show others the joy of knowing God personally. In John 17, Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know my Father. This is what I want for you. This is what I pray for you on a regular basis, that you don't just talk about things of God, but that you know Him personally. You know him personally. And the only way you're going to know him personally is by spending time with him. Sometimes I think that, that uh, if we're not careful, we're going, to, we're going to die one day and end up in heaven, and we're going to be like, Jesus? Is that, are you Jesus? Because we don't really know him. The challenge for all of us is that we would have this first generation faith and really know who he is and know how he loves us and how he cares for us. You see, if you push rules, what's going to happen? Same thing that happens in your life. Revolt. That's what happens. Revolt. This is not about rules. It's about a relationship. And your kids need to see this authentic relationship with you. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. And here's the other thing I would tell you. Please, everyone look at me reject hypocrisy in every single way you need to be real let's just be real do you just absolutely wake up every day just on fire for jesus no you guys are like am i okay to raise my hand <laughs> no you don't you know how i know that because i don't either and we need to be real there's all kinds of circumstances and situations in our life that will make it hard for us, that sometimes we'll have questions that we don't understand. Just this week, Gary was praying, uh, and just a moment ago, as a church, the Davis family, he's an incredible, incredible uh, man, love him with all of my heart, 
Tim's a, a volunteer in so many ways here at church. He's got a ministry where he's providing Bibles for fallen military, and his son is, uh, was uh, wanting to join the Marine Corps, so he took him down to a Marine Corps graduation. On the way home, this is the story that we just prayed for, uh, Tim's son Jackson was driving their vehicle home from California. A drunk driver got road rage, went flying past them, slowed down, backed up, came behind them and rammed them at over 80 miles an hour threw their car into a spin and they hit their car hit the edge of the beginning of a guardrail and went right through their car and so tim and his son had to get the uh, jaws for life to get them out of the car and tim is beat up and and, uh, lots of stitches and, and he's doing okay but his son nine hour surgery to put his legs back together and to fix his lacerated bladder and we just found out earlier this week that, that he suffered, or just a couple days ago, that he suffered some brain injury in this as well. Tragic. I just texted her this morning, and this is what I told her. I want you guys to know that you are not alone. Your church loves you, and we will pray today. And she said, well, there's good news. When Jackson's mother was leaving the hospital room yesterday, she looked at her son and said, thumbs up. And he was able to raise both of his hands and give her thumbs up. Listen, prayer works, and we need to pray for Jackson. Will you commit to praying for Jackson? Write it down right now. Pray for Jackson. Pray like that was your kid laying in ICU, because that's what we do when we're family. We pray, but you know what happened? A couple of days ago, Tim called, and it was Thursday night late. It was almost 10 o'clock, and he called, and he said, Doug, I just need to talk to you real quick. I'm like, of course, buddy. Give me the update. How's things going? And he told me, and he had got, it was a rough day, tough day. And he's a strong man. He loves Jesus. He knows the word of God and he has a personal relationship with the Lord. He said, Doug, I just need to talk to you because I'm angry today. I said, Tim, I know. He said, just, is it okay that I'm angry with God today? I said, oh yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I said, it's not my kid laying there, but I want you to know I'm angry today too. Because this is senseless. This doesn't make sense that someone with a prior record would do something like this. So close to taking life. It's a miracle, Tim, that you guys are alive. God created, you know, some of us are like, it's okay to be angry with God. Like if I'm angry, doesn't the lightning strike? Here's the reality. God created those emotions, right? He gets it. And when you're angry, if you're angry with me, here's what I want you to do. Come and tell me. Come and tell me. There's times you'll be angry with me. That's fine. Come and if we're friends, we need to talk it through, don't we? If Beth is angry with me, I need to know she's angry so we can talk about it. The same thing is true of our God. If you're angry with him, tell him, God, I'm angry with you. He's a big guy. He can handle it. That's what we call him, the big guy. And so we prayed on the phone. And we need to be praying together with him. It's important that we can be authentic in our faith, that our the people that are around us, our kids, can understand the joy of knowing God personally. That doesn't mean it's always okay. You know, just, just two weeks ago, we went to visit my number two son, Luke, and he's at college in, in uh, Chicago. And so we went to watch them the football game and hang out with them a little bit. I miss that guy like crazy. I hate when my kids are in college. And uh, we went to chapel with them on Monday. And I walked into the back of the chapel, and I could just feel it. Sitting there in that crowd, man, that stuff fires me up. You guys know me. I'm thinking about all the potential sitting in that room of all these young people that are just like, give me a chance, you know? Show me where I, what I can do. Help me understand what my life is for. And I'm like, I'm like a raged, I'm like, come on, just give me a chance. I want to speak today, right? 
I want, I want these kids to understand how real God is because if they get that, they're going to change the world. I was so excited about getting a chance to walk into that chapel and, and Luke had us save some seats and we sat down next to him and, and uh, all of a sudden I realized not everybody does this the way I do this. This is horrible. I'm like, I want to... I want to wrestle this guy right now off the stage and take over, right? I want to put him in a chokehold. And the look that will be in his eyes when I got him on a chokehold when he passes out looks like all the kids that are sitting here right now. I turned around. There's literally one kid laying down on the chairs, out cold like drooling. I'm like, what? Let me at him, you know? All the rest of the kids got their books open and they're studying. And all of a sudden, there's this little... My phone goes off. I look down, it's Luke. He's like, see what I got to put up with three times a week? I was like, buddy, I'm sorry. Boop. Send it back to him. Next thing you know, boop, the coolest text I've gotten in a long time. Boop. Oh, Dad, I wish you could preach here. <sighs> Me too. You know why? Because I want our kids to understand how real our God is. Not something that they've just heard about, but something that they can personally experience. That they can see there are people that get fired up. It reminds me of that psalm, Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Remember our goal is to unleash Christ-centered, biblically anchored world changers all around us and we're going to do that by showing others the joy of knowing God personally and then number two we want to expose them to the presence and the power of God expose them to the presence and the power of God we need to know where those opportunities are and we want them to be involved all of our friends especially our kids and those involvement in church and small groups and missions trips how about that I want to double dog challenge every single one of you to go on a missions trip someday that needs to be at the top of your bucket list so that you can experience a global God and you can see the presence and the power of God at, at work. You know a question no one asks in our home? Dad, should we go to church? My kids don't ask me that. They know the answer to that. They know that they are they're going to be challenged to come. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. My kids don't want to miss church. There's times they do because of their schedules and whatnot, but they don't want to miss church. They want to be here because this is family to them. They want to know what's going on. And You know, it, it, school's not optional, is it? You know why? Because we want our kids to be educated, right? School's not optional. And, and you know, athletic practices are not optional because, you know, this is, I've done this before. Yeah, we commit it, Okay. And when we commit, we're going. You're not going to miss this thing. You're going. But then why does church become optional? I want my kids to love Jesus and to know Jesus. And I want them to understand that, not just that dad does, but that they can too. And so one of the ways that they can experience that is being, being involved here. And I want to challenge you to do the same. There's something special about worshiping God with others. We hear from God and we experience God and we have fellowship with His people and it changes us. And, you know, over the years, many of you have heard how Beth and I tried to keep a consistent, simple message to our kids. And so if you're new to Plum Creek, this might be new to you, but there's some things. And my mom started this with us and I kind of changed it just a little bit. But I would say this to my kids when they would leave when they were young. You walk with the king today. What does that mean? 
And they would say, listen to the Lord's voice and do what he says. Yeah. And be a blessing. What does it mean to be a blessing, kids? And they would say, it means to treat other people the way that I would want to be treated. Yeah, do that today. Then I would say, be a leader. Because sometimes you're going to have to step up and you're going to have to lead your friends to do some things that the rest of the crowd is not doing. And then I would always say, now, who's the toughest person to lead? And they would say, myself. Because I have a core conviction that the hardest leadership you will ever be responsible for is leading your own life personally. And then the last thing I would ask them is, uh, what do the Millers do? And they would say, stick together. And off to school they would go. So Pastor Gary and Amanda have started doing this with their two boys. And uh, it's been fun to hear the stories of how how that's been going for them too. And uh, last spring when Grady, their oldest, was still in preschool and Andon would overhear uh, Pastor Gary giving Grady the pre-day speech, right? Getting them ready to go in the mornings. And when they would get to the leader question, Grady has learned, just like our kids did, that the hardest person to lead is himself. And so little Andon has heard him say that time and time again. And eventually then, Gary started doing that as Andon was ready to understand it more uh, with the same challenge. And while he was doing that with Andon one day after Grady was already at school, he, he asked him, he said, so who's the hardest person to lead? And he said, Grady. <laughs> Our goal is to unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers, and we want to show others the joy of knowing God personally because they see it in us. We want to expose them to the presence and the power of God because it's real. My prayer for you is that you will understand how real God is, and you will work hard for those in your life to experience that as well. That's how we see people living beyond. And then finally, we want to expose them to the thrill of being used by God being used by God, to get a chance to see what it's like to be able to interact with others and to experience God at work in them, but also through them. This is big. There's lots of ways for that to happen, and we try and make opportunities for that too, and it's amazing to me how kids uh, can lead us sometimes. Would you agree? I'm going to do a series in 2016 to have childlike faith. What does that mean? Let me explain to you a little bit about what it means to have childlike faith. Because I could unpack this, the thrill of being used by God in many ways, but here's what I want to do. I want to share with you three quick stories. Sydney is a young girl. You'll see her on the screen. Uh, She's involved in Verge, which is the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders here at church. And so a couple of months ago, we uh, started a challenge, started thinking about what it would look like to challenge each of the classrooms at each of our service times in the older kids' areas, so kindergarten through sixth grade, two rooms, three services, six, six groups of kids to be able to raise enough resources to provide an animal for a family on the other side of the world that is uh, living in poverty. And so the kids started to hear the challenge and they got fired up and excited about that. And Sydney came downstairs and told her mom and dad, and I'm not sure if her family's here today. I'm so proud of this little girl. She said, I'm going to have a garage sale and I'm going to help raise some money for the family on the other side of the world that's living in poverty. And her parents were a little bit surprised because she has a tendency to like her stuff, kind of like we all do. And everything that she has has a little story behind it, so she's got lots of things. But she decided she was going to have the garage sale. The picture that you see over there under the table is seeking shade during the hotter part of the day during her garage sale. And so she sold books and little trinkets from her room and things. And, and uh, as a result of her garage sale, she put flyers out and told everybody what she was doing, and her parents had her run the whole thing. Um, she was able to uh, 
to raise, uh, I'm trying to make sure I got my notes right. She was able to raise somewhere between, no, it was like $200, I believe it was. Yeah, sorry, $250, selling books and little trinkets from her room, and she brought it all to church. Let me show you another picture. This is Jackson. Uh, Jackson's parents were here last night, and for some time, uh, Jackson, he's been a real saver, and they would give him little projects around the house and help him learn responsibility, and so he would get paid for doing little things around the house, and he would save his money and trade his quarters in for dollars and his dollars in for fives and his fives in for tens and save his money, and he would count his money often, and so he was able to raise some money, and he heard about this project to provide an animal for a family in another part of the world, and it had an impact on him, and he came downstairs, and he had somewhere between 50 and $100 saved up, and he told his mom and dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give all this money to be able to help a, a family on the other side of the world that needs help. And I love this. His parents said, well, can we teach you about the tithe? <laughs> right? Can we teach maybe just 10% of that? You've worked really hard to say that. He goes, no, no. Those people have a need on the other side of the world, and I'm going to give it all. And I know God's going to be pleased because of that. And so he brought all the money that he had saved up, and, and he gave, gave it to the offering to be able to help these people. That's, that's first-generation faith, guys. We should be challenged by our kids. Then there's another story, and he's here today. This is Ben. And uh, Ben's like family. And I recognize something in Ben's life. And he's super, super bright. This kid's like way over 4.0. He's an incredible athlete. He's a great kid. Everybody likes Ben. He's a person of influence. Great family. They're good friends of ours. And I gave him a book. I don't know, were you a freshman when I gave you that book? <clears throat> Just felt like I was supposed to do it. Communicating for change. And uh, this summer, Ben went with Zach and a lot of the other students here with Pastor Kyle and our leadership team on a missions trip. And on that trip, got to experience what it feels like to have God using his life to make a difference in others. And so on their way home, they were talking about how that could not just be on the trip, but could carry over. And uh, so he and Zach talked about that, and they decided that they were going to start volunteering to help out before the senior high student ministry. They were going to come to the junior high student ministry and start working as uh, junior high small group leaders for the, for the leadership team. That's awesome. And then a, a couple of, like a month or so ago, a couple months ago, I got an email from Ben, and uh, he's on the leadership team at Douglas County High School to help with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes with some of our other students that are part of our church, too. And uh, he sent me his sermon. Because he wanted me to look it over. Because he wants those kids to understand Jesus, too. I'm proud of our kids. Sometimes their reckless abandonment for God challenges me. When's the last time you wrote a sermon for your friends? Ben, thanks.
First generation faith. There's a verse that hangs on the wall at our house. It's from Joshua, and it says this. Serve the Lord alone. In this passage, he was talking. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. This is the part that's on our wall at home. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Are you? Do you personally have first-generation faith? Where it's not something that someone's talking about. It's not something your grandma did or your mom or dad did. But it's something that you understand personally. Is it really a passion for you? Can people see it in you? Are you challenging others to have first-generation faith as well? Not something that we just talk about, but something that we experience. We bow your heads for just a minute. <clears throat> I understand in a room this size, there may be some folks that are here that have never made a decision to serve Jesus with their life. And I want to challenge you that maybe that's exactly why you're here today. Maybe today you needed to be reminded of the importance of this. And you understand things of faith. You understand that. But you've never made it personal. You've never made a decision to say yes to him, for him to be the Lord of your life. If that's you and you're here today, no one's looking around. Everybody, please just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a second. Would you just shoot your hand up and say, Doug, I needed to hear this today. I want first-generation faith. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Put them down. Thank you. Anybody else? And maybe today this challenge has hit you square between the eyes as it has me, and you understand the importance of helping have a relationship with God that lives beyond you by the way you inspire others to live this way too. That they would see it for real. Not just something you talk about, but see it for real. And if you just say, you know what, Doug? I needed to hear that today. You don't even have to have your own children to be challenged by this because there's other people that are watching you. But to say yes to having first-generation faith that can help someone to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with him too. If that was a good challenge for you today, would you just raise your hand too and say, you know what, Doug, that's good for me. Yeah. Father, you've seen those that have responded today, and I know you've hit, hit me pretty hard this week. We want to we wanna serve you in a way that others can understand these things that we've talked about today. We want to unleash these kind of, this understanding in other people's lives, what it means to, to be world changers with a biblical view and an understanding of how real God is. And so today, Lord, will you help us with that? Will you help us with that? Lord, for those that said they needed to respond to you, um, you see their hearts. You know their thoughts today. We may know a lot about you, but if we don't know you personally, Lord, it's not enough. And so for those that raise your hands today, would you just take a moment and just communicate what's on your heart right now to him? Just tell him. Just, he, he'll, he'll know, he knows your heart. Just tell him, I know I need you. I know I've fallen short of your perfect standard. We all do. And you need to make a decision today. So tell him that you want him to be the Lord of your life. Ask him to forgive you and to give you that fresh start and to help you have first-generation faith. Lord, will you help each of us this week as we head into this week to remember our goal that we would unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers and that we could declare today, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714 and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.